0: Welcome to Linda's Corner, a podcast created to inspire hope, increase joy, and motivate positive change. Hi, my name is Linda Bjork. I'm an author, teacher, speaker, blogger, and founder and executive director of Hope for Healing, which is a nonprofit charity designed to help alleviate symptoms of depression and anxiety, relieve stress, build confidence and self esteem, and heal relationships. You can learn more by visiting our website at hopeforhealingfoundation.org. For today's episode, I'm going to share a segment from one of my books called Crushed. If you're joining us for the first time, I would suggest that you start at the first podcast, since stories tend to make more sense when you read them, or listen to them, in order from the beginning to the end. Chapter 15 The Retreat, Day 3 "'Are you awake, too?' my mother asked. "'Yes. I haven't been sleeping very well lately,' I replied. "'It was about 4 a.m., and we had a hushed conversation in the dark. "'Are you going to read or try to go back to sleep?' my mother asked after a while. "'Actually, I was thinking about getting up. "'We've been talking about these complete conversation things, "'and I would like to give it a try and see if it does anything,' I replied.' I'm hoping to find a quiet place where I can be alone. It's still quite dark outside. Can I borrow the keys to your car, and I'll go there until the sun comes up? She handed me the keys. Good luck, she said. Thanks. I'll be back in time to prepare breakfast, and I'll take my phone in case you need me, I said. I quickly dressed and quietly made my way to the door, then headed to the underground parking garage and slid into the front seat of the car. I pulled out my notebook and flipped to the page where I had written my notes on how to have a complete conversation. One of these conversations was with my mother. I referred to my notes to begin. Okay, the first step is to invite the other person's higher self to talk with you, I read. Mom, can I please speak to your higher self at the age you were when I was six years old? I began. I checked my notes for the next step. Dump everything, holding nothing back. Okay, here goes. Mom, you chose not to love me. I began with tears welling in my eyes. You chose not to be close to me. You made a choice. Do you have any idea what that choice did to me? Do you have any idea what it's like to grow up feeling like you're less than everybody around you? If your own mother doesn't love you, then you must be unlovable, unworthy of love. I have felt that way my entire life. I am worthless. I am nobody. These beliefs are my core identity. You healed over time, but I did not. I am still that broken, unloved little girl. I needed you. I needed you to love me. I needed you to support me. I needed it like I needed air to breathe. I thought it was all my fault. I thought I had done something wrong. I thought there was something wrong with me. I continued the conversation until I couldn't think of anything else to say. Then I checked my notes again for the next step. Apologize, ask the person to forgive you, and imagine them saying, Of course I forgive you, I read. Mom, I didn't understand it then. But now I know that you were hurting and were only trying to protect yourself. Even after I learned the history about what happened and why, I really didn't understand. I didn't see how it was possible that a mother could do that to her child. It wasn't until I was crushed myself that I really understood what it must have been like for you. I get it now. I'm so sorry that you were hurt. I'm so sorry that you felt like you needed to build walls to protect yourself. I'm so sorry that I judged you. I'm so sorry that I blamed you, not only for the things that were your fault, but also for the things that were really my own fault. Will you please forgive me, I said. Then I waited to hear her higher self tell me, of course I do. I took a deep breath before checking my notes again. Repeat this process with a conversation with God and again with yourself. I decided to break down my conversation with God into three separate conversations. Dear Heavenly Father, can I please speak to you, I began. Where were you? Isn't a father supposed to protect his children? How could you let this happen to me? I was just a child. I didn't understand. I didn't know what was happening, and I blamed myself. Where were you when I needed you? Where are you now? I feel like my prayers are like buying a lottery ticket. I might get something good out of it, but chances are I will get nothing. It's a waste of my time. Yes, I've had a few prayers answered, but what about the thousands of prayers where I get nothing? It's not good enough that you're there occasionally. I need you to be there for me always. How can I trust you? I continued the conversation until I couldn't think of anything else to say, then added, I'm sorry for feeling that way. I probably don't understand the whole picture. Will you please forgive me? I again waited a moment to hear his response. Of course I do. Dear Jesus Christ, can I please speak to you? I began. I couldn't think of anything to dump on him, so I simply said, I'm sorry I didn't give this to you sooner. Will you please forgive me? Dear Holy Ghost, can I please speak to you? I continued. I'm sorry to have kept you from me. Will you please forgive me? I checked my notes again. The final step was to have a conversation with myself. Linda. Can I please speak to your higher self when you are six years old, I began. Linda, you misunderstood everything and ruined your life. You have made your misery a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I continued until I couldn't think of anything else to add. I'm so sorry that you had to go through all that, I said. I'm so sorry for all you missed. I'm so sorry that you were hurt. But it's time to let it go. Will you please forgive me? Will you forgive us? Let's move on. I took a few deep breaths and did a quick self-evaluation. How did I feel? I can't say that I felt lighter, since it wasn't akin to buoyancy. It was more like a plug had been removed, and I was being drained. I was less heavy, but emotionally exhausted. I checked my watch. I still have lots of time before the sun comes up. I'm going to keep going. And I did. I had conversations with the people involved in my personal crushing earthquake. Conversations with individuals and conversations with groups of people. I had conversation after conversation for the next two and a half hours until the sun was up enough to go for a walk. I took my notebook with me and walked along a mountain trail until I found a spot where I could sit and feel the warmth of the early morning sunshine on my face. I pulled out my notebook and searched for the page where I had taken notes on, declarations. So I'm supposed to come up with at least five statements and repeat them three times. What should I say? I didn't really know what to do except copy the ones that they had mentioned during their treat. How about, I am loved, I know who I am, I love myself, my words have value, and I have the courage to speak my truth. I think those will do. Suzanne had instructed me not to just say the words, but to declare them like I meant them while doing actions like spreading my arms wide or hugging them to myself as the words suggested. I felt pretty awkward and looked up and down the trail to make sure there weren't any other early morning hikers nearby to hear me make a fool of myself. I am loved, I cried, flinging my arms out wide. I know who I am. I love myself, I hugged my arms to myself. My words have value, I spread my arms outward again. I have the courage to speak my truth. I didn't believe the words but at least I could get them out. I looked up and down the trail again to check for clear before repeating the declarations a second and third time. As I continued walking along the trail, feeling pretty good about my efforts for the morning and feeling hope for the future, my phone rang. I thought it was my mother and checked my watch to see if I was late for breakfast preparation. It was my husband. My confidence failed entirely at the sound of his voice, and I questioned everything that I had learned over the past two days. "'Good morning. How did you sleep?' he inquired. "'Not very well. i have been up for a while,' I responded. "'What are you doing?' he asked. "'I, um, I just went for a sunrise hike this morning. It's really pretty up here,' I replied hesitantly." I was afraid that if he knew how I spent the past three hours, he'd want to have me committed to a mental institution. Are you enjoying the retreat, he asked. Yes, I'm learning a lot of great information, I said. Oh, good. What are you learning, he asked. Um, well, there's a lot of information, and I can't really sum it up very well, I evaded. It's been like drinking out of a fire hose. After our brief conversation, I thought, I'm a fool. I'm not loved. I don't know who I am. I don't love myself. My words don't have any value, and I certainly don't have the courage to speak my truth. I took a deep breath and walked back to the condo to begin making breakfast. Chapter 16 the painting. The third and final day was only a half day of lessons and included a group project of painting a picture together. Suzanne introduced the guest speaker for the day, who happened to be our mother. We've been talking about the three keys of happiness identity, relationships, and progression, Suzanne began. My mother is the epitome of progression. She has been learning and progressing her entire life. She raised her family while continuing to develop her own musical talents. She has taught hundreds of students' piano lessons and voice lessons over several decades. After her children were raised, she went back to school and pursued her various interests. She learned about color analysis, makeup, and acrylic nails. She studied herbology. She went to midwifery school and certified as a doula so that she could provide skilled help and support as her last grandchildren were born. She went back to school to learn computer skills and became certified as a travel agent. Over the past several years, she has been developing her artistic talents and has taken classes at the community college, as well as taking private lessons. She has had her artwork in several art shows and has a growing collection of prize ribbons. Listening to Suzanne talk about my mother was like hearing about her for the first time. I never realized how amazing she is, because I was too busy feeling hurt and resentful. My new appreciation continued to grow when my mother displayed a few of her paintings and I heard the oohs and ahs from the ladies around me. My mother's presentation topic was how you fit in the big picture. You matter. I'm not sure what the other women heard, but to hear my mother say that I matter meant a great deal to me, because I have never felt like I mattered to anyone, and I especially wanted to matter to her. She led a general discussion of talents and skills, and eventually tied it into the topic of painting. One thing that stands out was the discussion on complementary colors. She drew the standard color wheel with the primary and secondary colors in their interconnected circular order, red, orange, yellow, green, blue, and purple. Complementary colors are the colors that are opposite to each other on the color wheel, she explained. Red and green are complementary colors, as are yellow and purple, and orange and blue. The high contrast of complementary colors create a vibrant look. The word complementary is derived from the root word complete, she continued. When things are complementary, they are combined in such a way as to enhance or emphasize the qualities of each other. Synonyms for complementary include the words harmonious, compatible, and corresponding. It brought to mind our earlier lesson on energy types and my question about why we tend to seek our opposite in a spouse. Perhaps Because we are opposite, we complete each other, I thought. Maybe at some subconscious level, we seek what we lack so that we can be complete? These are ideas worth pondering. It was strange to think of opposite as meaning harmonious, compatible, and corresponding. I tend to think of opposite as a basis for conflict. In our lives, we have opposition, my mother continued. Opposition completes us. It helps us progress and strengthens us. It brings out talents and abilities we didn't know we had. Opposition is necessary for growth. Opposition highlights the good things we have. Nothing makes us appreciate health, like being sick. Nothing helps us appreciate freedom, like imprisonment. Nothing makes us appreciate light, like being in the dark. Feeling despair enables us to appreciate joy. Feeling sadness enables us to appreciate happiness. These things are difficult, but it will all work out in the end. That means if it hasn't worked out yet, then it's not the end. Interesting thought, I mused. I guess I'm not at the end. It certainly hasn't worked out yet, so I must be in the middle somewhere. I hope to not always be in the middle. Is there really an end somewhere? Could there be an end to sadness, hopelessness, and despair? I wasn't sure, but I hoped it could be possible. She showed a painting of a colorful sunset reflected on a body of water. On a separate canvas, she had sketched the outline of that same picture, and we were each to take part in painting this new picture. One by one, we approached the canvas and took our turn with the paintbrush as she instructed us where to apply the color. When I had heard that this would be part of the retreat, I panicked. I don't have an artistic bone in my body. I can paint walls with a roller and a brush. That is the extent of my painting abilities. I was terrified that whatever I did to the painting would surely ruin it. Thus, when it was my turn to approach the painting, I did so with trepidation. My color was orange. I had two turns, one to paint the orange in the sky and a second turn to paint the corresponding orange reflected in the water. When my second turn was completed, I was both relieved that I was done and pleased that my contribution hadn't ruined the overall effect. Then, when everyone had taken their turns, I was called back to complete the painting with a wavy yellow line of the sun reflecting in the water. It was central to the painting, and I was terrified. But I did as I was instructed and stepped back to see the overall effect. I liked it. I liked the painting very much, and my contribution hadn't ruined the painting, but had added to its beauty. The painting was set aside to dry, and I found myself glancing at it from time to time and admiring it. I can't believe I helped create that. It's good, and I'd really like to have it, I thought. I nonchalantly asked my mom, So, who gets the painting? Are you going to give it to Suzanne to remind her of the retreat she organized? I bet she'd really appreciate that, I said, fully expecting the answer to be yes. No, she didn't ask for it. Actually, I was thinking about giving it to you. Would you like to have it? She replied. Yes, thank you. I would like that very much. I smiled and hugged her. Now it wasn't just a painting, it was my painting, and it was something good that I helped to create. Now the retreat was over. It was time to pack up and return home. I had not wanted to come, but now that it was over, I was afraid to go home. During these past three days, I had learned so much and had a beginning of hope that I could change and improve my reality. However, It hadn't performed a magical and instant transformation. If this works at all, it's still going to take a long time, I worried. If my family, particularly my husband, doesn't see immediate results, I don't think they'll support me in this at all. They'll think it's weird. They'll make fun of me and may even try to stop me. I'm so scared of what they'll say. I think the things I've learned are true principles. They feel right, but I don't have the confidence to defend myself, and I really don't know enough to explain this stuff anyway. One thing I knew was that I was going to need help. There's no way I could make this transformation on my own. I couldn't even remember most of what we talked about. There was so much information that I felt overwhelmed. I couldn't make all those changes at once. I need to start small with maybe one or two things. And I need a mentor, someone who will support me on my journey, I thought. I reread the flyers that Suzanne and Jamie had handed out the day before. Jamie's group mentoring class didn't start for another three months. And I wanted to start now. Suzanne's individual mentoring could start at any time and lasted three months. Huh, I thought. I guess I could really do both. I can start Suzanne's class now, and it should be finished by the time Jamie's begins. I started writing checks right then, while I still had the courage to commit, because I knew that my courage would fade once I returned home. I also scheduled my initial appointment with Suzanne for the following week. I'm going to do this, I committed, then packed my bags and headed home. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this section of the book. The next section is available on the following podcast. Please subscribe to receive updates when new episodes are available. The book Crushed is available on Amazon and the audiobook version will soon be available on Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Again, my name is Linda Bjork. You can find more information by searching for Linda Bjork, Hope for Healing, Linda Bjork, Two Good Things, and Linda Bjork, Innovative Joy. In closing, I'd like to leave you with an inspirational quote by Henry Newen. Joy does not simply happen to us. We have to choose joy and keep choosing it every day. I hope that today you choose joy. See you next time on Linda's Corner.